Hi, this is Dan Sullivan, and I'd like to welcome you to the Free Zone Frontier with Steve Krang. And we're just really delighted as a guest on a series of podcasts that we did very recently with Dean Jackson. And Dean is more admired in the online marketing world than almost any other individual. So enjoy the podcast. There was something in your Zoom worksheet wisdom, sorry, I think that's what you call it, that struck me a little. It was interesting that I I don't know if it was purposely left out or not, but your coaching, not talking to me, but your coaching has a couple of steps to it, right? You always introduce the concept, you have, you know, the tool and the tool is a very important piece of it. And then there's the filling out the tool and then there's the discussion, right? I might be simplifying it, but those seem like the four kind of things you've habitually gotten us into expecting when you open your mouth about a new concept that that's going to be the flow. And what's interesting is that when I look at your description of what an ideal workshop is, you got all the timing there. You got all the things like the never do the talking to people too long or the multimedia stuff too long. But I was wondering how your own thinking about your coaching rhythm, which doesn't seem addressed in here, is dealt with. Like your workshop habit of what I just said, which is concept, diagram, tool, fill it out, talk about it. How does that translate on here? And have you found your own rhythm with that? Have you found your coaching, your coaching coming out in a systematic way, translating to a Zoom? Well, I would say that two things have been shortened. One is you can only have eight and a half by 11 worksheets. <laughs> right. <laughs> or autofills. Well, that's really important because I had a tendency to go long with the exercise. And sometimes you'd have people a half hour mm-hmm. filling in a form. Generally speaking, and I time it before it gets printed and before it gets introduced in the workshop. One of the big things that's become very, very pronounced, I said, okay, we're going to the first column and you're going to get 90 seconds. You know, it's kind of like the coach is the timekeeper. And I think it really works. And on average, if I take myself through the timing for all parts of a worksheet, it's seven or eight minutes. So I've introduced something and seven or eight minutes, they're ready to go into the breakout group and talk about it. Mm -hmm. That really works. I've never had somebody complain that I didn't have enough time. So what it tells me is if you direct people just to fill in one box and give them 40 seconds, their brain can handle that. I mean, the brain's really fast. (laughs) For example, on the summit day when we were there, I only had one exercise the whole day. And that was only in the last hour. And that's when we did the Who Expander. Yeah. Did you think that was a good thing or a bad thing? Well, first of all, it was speaker quality. I thought Dean was great. Peter was great, but he left his illustrations up on the screen too long, you know, and you couldn't go back to him. And my sense is that's why multimedia, I mean, multimedia and videos in a presentation, the people have both the speaker there and they can look at the speaker or they can look at the screen. So I never keep my visuals up where I'm just explaining something for more than about a minute because people start to wander. They start wandering already. The only time I can keep still up there is where I'm saying, okay, we're doing the first column and they're looking at their sheet and they're filling in the first column. So I'm taking them from my sheet to their sheet. It's movement. The big thing on Zoom, you got to keep everything moving. You can't have static. You know, I said, why don't you just give six 
great success stories that are just different from each other. In this case, we did this and they found 800 hours here and the thousand hours there and everything like that. And I said, people love stories. People love transformational stories. I said, that's what the Bible is about. That's what every great book in the world is about is stories. And I said, you got to tell stories. So that just was a note to self that we get real agreement up front. I thought Dean's was great. I thought, Dean, you did a fabulous job. And I think everybody's sitting there going, whoa, whoa, whoa. But they were great stories. You just told really, really great stories, you know. And I think Peter just scares the daylights out of people, you know. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's why I like him so much, because everybody's, you know, there's not going to be any borders in the world. And, you know, it's all, I said, nah, nah. No, it isn't going to be that way. And yeah, so anyway, it's good. And the other thing is he's a left of center Democrat. He's not a Republican. He's not a libertarian or anything like that. I kind of like him because it's a different way of thinking about things. Yeah, I notice a significant difference when you've got an anchor to a concept with a tool, your intellectual shortcut and open-ended conversation that results from the concept or tool. In other words, an open conversation that we're just talking about a topic or an open conversation about a topic you introduced with the context of an anchor. I'll think about it like almost like you've trained us (laughs) coming to coach every quarter for 20 years to go with the rhythm, right? It's a tool. It's a concept. You share it, you discuss it, you discuss it with others and you kind of come home and you're able to name the concept that gave you the breakthrough, even though it might've been from a discussion you had as a result of the concept. And so it almost anchors the day, right? So in a typical six hour workshop, you might have a favorite tool and it might've been a discussion as a result of that tool. And so all of a sudden you flip to a different format, like the symposium and forgetting about the different speakers, just the framework that you can't anchor the same way. I felt like I was wanting that anchor. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I haven't completely solved, you know, with the summit where that is no problem with strategic coach clients is that I had people in the room. This is the first exposure that they've had. Yeah. And I said, you know, it was just an uncertainty on my side of the fact that half the room were not strategic coach. Yeah. I used to have that problem with a couples conference. That's why I stopped doing it. I said, you know, first of all, I don't have kids. So I'm missing one of the major components, mm-hmm. you know, of married life. The vast majority of, you know, we're married couples. And I said, you know, I'm, I can't really talk about this, you know. And so our coaches since then, they're always married. They have children, at least one child. So I think probably this is an area, you know, it lies on the other side of the, the border. And I think that I didn't prepare soon enough, early enough for the summit to be in Zoom form. You can do a lot of things at a cocktail party with alcohol, you know. You can smooth off a lot of rough edges with alcohol, you know. I always say alcohol is the ultimate 10 times tool, you know, like $1 spent on alcohol always gives you a 10 times return. Right. I think that was a rugged, rough experience that day. So lots to be learned there. But I think that, you know, the whole notion in the future when you can have both social, that I think not that a one-day workshop needs that much social, but you need something once a year where it is social Mm -hmm. so that people can actually have that. Well, you could even see how if we're not having 
the regular quarterlies where you take a, a summit like that and one day you do with just your clients and the next day or the day before you do with their guests. Like when I think back to the last, which was my last trip, I think for a lot of us, our last trip before quarantine was the right. symposium last year. Yeah. And I was thinking if that was the only one, it would have been great to have a regular coach session for a day. And then the symposium with the guests for a day, uh-huh. that would have been like a meaningful, you know, where you have that relationship being built that then carries you for another year in person yeah. to do it. But lots to play with, although you have plenty of time to plan, I think, as you think about next year, depending on how. Yeah, well, here's a question because both of you had major events. Dean, you know, your three-day breakthrough book, you always had a lot of room for social affairs when- Yeah, that's the missing- You know, Amsterdam, London, Sydney, Australia. You always had that. You don't have that now. So how are you handling it? And Steve, you had people coming and going and, you know, you had your San Francisco event. So how are you handling it? What are you doing to make it okay? So this is an interesting, because I've had the last one that I did a couple of weeks ago, I had uh, went from Hawaii to Liechtenstein was the spread of geography that we had. And I've had it, you know, with Bangkok. So next month, I'm doing one that I'm shifting to Australia time. So I'm doing it at 6 p.m. to midnight as a thing which will be, you know, 8 a.m. in the morning Sydney time, which is reasonable for everybody. So that's what I'm doing is accommodating that thing. And I've already, you know, put in the PS of one of my emails that I'm doing is I'm getting emails from New Zealand and people who are excited about that because the regular time doesn't work for that whole side of the world. So I'm excited. You know, I'm not going to miss that flight to Sydney for sure. Yeah, but I'm going to miss the people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm going to miss. It's all the in-between stuff that adds another dimension to it, right? Which you can't really no. recreate by Zoom. So, yeah, you know, some people their communication is emotion based, and some people yeah. their communication is idea based or concept based. So for me, I don't require being in the same room with someone to be engaging with their ideas. Right. I don't have to be in the same location. So I think it's affected me probably least of probably anyone in our company because, you know, my number one strength finder is ideation. You can hook me with an idea from 12 time zones away, you know. Right, right. right. I don't need body odor to get an idea, you know. <laughs> So you have to take into consideration, you know, that people are operating on different frequencies. They pick up on different frequencies. I think if you've built that relationship with people, like I find you mentioned that the gentleman who'd been gone for years and came back and said he felt like bonded. If you've shared that experience, that it's very easy to rekindle by Zoom. If you've had that. Well, Yesterday, it was really, really interesting because, you know, we talked about the Zoom. So he was back for it 10 times. His name is Bruce Udell, and he lives in Sarasota. Right off the bat, I knew he came in around 96. So I think he was in for 15 years. You could just tell off the bat that he was way above financial advisor, but just conceptually really bright. The thing about it was that in the course of the conversations, 
we talked about the 25 years bad news and he immediately said, well, you know, other people's bad news is our good news. Yeah. Well, that's a coach two concept. That's yeah. a coach two concept. And the other one, he said, well, you know, the problem is never the problem. The problem is people don't know how to think about the problem. Well, that was a coach two concept, but he said, I think about that every day. So, you know, I mean, my goal is that a very simple, clean idea becomes timeless for you. You just take in the idea and that's an idea for you to use. And that's what I'm striving for. I mean, if you want to know, you know, what my passion is for each new workshop and each new quarter, it's to come up with simple, clean ideas. Intellectual shortcuts. Yeah, just come in. It's just a shortcut and it's timeless. It works for you forever. That's what Steve was saying, that you remember the name of the exercise that got you the insight. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's almost like your tabs in a notebook. If you had like five tabs, I mean, go back to the old strategic coach workbooks that used to have the tabs in. Yeah. And it's almost like the way you timestamp your day. Oh, the conversation around the Zoom workshop wisdom, whatever you call that last one. Like, yeah. And so it's actually interesting because it's almost habitually the way I think now about being on any session with you, Dan, in particular. And I think I do it also myself with when I coach, but it's almost like you can't unlearn that way of learning or at least thinking about, you know, when you step back every 90 days and you think about your thinking, you go through it you almost need the anchors of these intellectual shortcuts to frame the ideas that you had along the way throughout the day. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so I don't know if there's anything there, Dan, to poke at a little bit. Well, first of all, I take this as a great compliment because, you know, I mean, that there should be such an approach is actually my intention, you know, like there's a way of going about things. I find it very complimentary. You know, and maybe I'll even do something. Here's how to talk to entrepreneurs, you know. And I think it's an entrepreneurial thing that entrepreneurs, I think more than any other type of character on the planet, lives on the borderline of uncertainty. In other words, there's a tolerance for ambiguity that entrepreneurs have that is much, much superior to any other way of living on the planet. You know, in other words, that you're okay with having lots of things that you don't know, you know, as long as you can make progress with what you do know. So how you present new information to them is very, very important because they don't have time for deep analysis. They don't have time to take months out to learn something. They have to be able to use it really, really fast. And I'm very conscious, you know, hey, I'm one of the beasts. I'm one of the species. You can learn a lot about entrepreneurs just being really, really understanding about ADD, attention deficit, that the average entrepreneur has come up with a trick that with the minimum amount of attention, you can get a big result. Well, you just did it. Dean, do you feel the same way I do about a workshop? So Dan talked about tomorrow's workshop and he says, we're going to cover VCR. So we're going to talk about vision, capability, and reach. And then what we're going to do is talk about certainty, uncertainty, about And with like, you know, let's call that three bullets of information you outline tomorrow morning, right? Let's just talk about tomorrow morning. Do you find that as both useful in thinking about getting excited for tomorrow or not, by the way, but hopefully, but also like what you even can prepare to think about for tomorrow, like even in in the informal way? Yeah, absolutely. Because I look at those as contexts, right? And when you give 
somebody a context, you're immediately, my brain is sorting all the content that I've got that fits under that. That's the way I think. So it fits completely yeah. for me. And then in the afternoon, I'm bringing back the four by four. And I said, given the fact that you're taking this on, then who are you from an attitude standpoint, from a result standpoint? How are you going to be a hero? And how do you have to make sure you don't drive other people crazy while you're doing this? You know, So that's a tool we haven't used for about a year, but it's perfect back here. Moving future, we always use every workshop because it's real fast and it's got a real usefulness. And some other tools are, you know, Everybody says tool belt, toolbox, tool yeah. shop, you know, a tool room or whatever it is, you know. One of the things, it's just a thought about this, I call it tombstone talk, that people actually talk themselves into the grave, oh. you know. And one of the things are people, you know, I'm just wrapping things up. They'll say, you know, I'm just wrapping things up. I'm into completions right now. I'm completing things. Winding down. I have a bucket list, you know, I'm getting pretty close to having all my buckets filled. And the big thing now is to leave a legacy. Uh, I says, God, you're talking yourself into the grave, you know, and everything like that. I said, when I die, it's going to be in the middle of seven incompleted projects. People will mourn and then they'll be ticked off for about six weeks of all the messes that I left them. I says, no completeness. I have no completeness in my life whatsoever you know, and everything like that. Because the thing is that we're in a position now where we can bargain with death. We're the first age that could ever bargain with death. You know, the means are there. You know them, Steve, and, you know, we're going to be hearing about them all the time. If you have the will, there's a way these days to add 10 extra years, maybe 15, 20, whoever. But a lot of big money wants to live forever. That's true. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I'm always interested in, you know, what I learned from a discussion, you know, that uh, what do I take away from this? One of the things I'm going to add to one of my workshops, Steve, is just my learning method, because you've given me some ideas that, look, if you want to get somebody to get a concept, you know, really fast or a new piece of information fast, we've discovered that there's a particular way to do this, you know. And I think on the Zoom worksheet, they're there, but they're not put together in a method. I've got this, I've got this and this, but I haven't put it together in a method. But I do have a method, you know. Wherever possible, do not start with a statement. You know, wherever possible, start with a question. So for tomorrow, when we start, Dean, I'm going to start saying, I'm going to ask him three questions, you know. What's a vision for the future that you have for yourself and you think about it a lot, you know, and you're kind of working towards it, but it's not real yet, but you have a vision for yourself. Mm -hmm. And it could be in relationship to time. It could be relationship to money. It could be relationship to relationship. It could be relationship to purpose. And I'm going to get three of them. And then I'm going to say, well, if you were moved suddenly to another part of the planet and you can only take three of your capabilities with you, what would your three biggest capabilities that you would take with you? And then in terms of having an impact at a distance, but you don't want to do the work, what are the three biggest reach capabilities that you have that all you have to do is do this and then it impacts around the world? And I'll get them thinking and then they'll talk about it and then I'll introduce you and say, okay, we've talked about vision, capability, and reach. Now, 
here's a way of thinking about this, that you have a growing inventory as you go through life of more powerful vision, more powerful capability, more powerful reach. And they're there, not so much that you're going to work on these yourself, but these are available for collaboration with other people. So I like that. I'm just rehearsing. I'm just that's great. No, it's gold. <laughs> I'm just rehearsing on you guys. Yeah, yeah, you know? I like it. Yeah. You know, Dean, one of the things, and maybe you could address this tomorrow, sort of give you all this work for tomorrow. Oh, yeah. But since Sans then you're going up on Zoom stage. No, I'm going to suck it out of him tomorrow, Steve. Uh I'm going to squeeze every bit of juice out of that lemon. So, and you did this a little bit in the symposium, but I would love to see it taken to the next level with this tool, which is, so you've been sitting on this VCR concept for a year. You've done, obviously, a lot of thinking about the newer examples like you showed us at the symposium, but I'd really be interested in how has your VCR or have you seen VCR transform to not being the same answers that they were 12 months ago for you, Mm -hmm. right? In other words, what have you found 12 months later working with this, if you have, and refining it? Refining my definitions of vision, capabilities, and reach. And there's lots of things. When we say vision, if you just say vision, they confuse it with a moonshot or your purpose or your, this is what I want to do. But a vision asset, when I look at them, a vision asset are things that you know that other people don't know. Your certainties that they're uncertain about if we take it in the terms of what we're talking about today. So for instance, I look at all of the things that I do and I've really refined it to that I'd create scale-ready algorithms, that I've got something that I can crack a code, figure out how something works from a marketing standpoint, and it's 100% ready to scale. That is different than the figuring out of it. And where my joy comes is creating that scale-ready algorithm. I've talked about it as making a hit song. Making a song is a scale-ready algorithm, just like Max Martin in the studio making and writing recording songs with Katy Perry. And then she is going to then take that scale-ready algorithm and go out into the world for the next two or three years and tour that album all over the world to scale it to for its potential. And meanwhile, Max Martin is back in Sweden in the studio with Justin Timberlake making his next mm-hmm. album, right? So knowing the things that you know that you've figured out that could be someone else's you know, add-on to their capability, you've got so many assets when you start looking at what do I know that other people don't know? Mm-hmm. So it's not your vision, it's your no, vision asset. It's so give me yeah. an example of yours. What would you say yours was 12 months ago? I know at the end of the hour. I was in my journal making this list and it frightened me. I was four pages in of all of the scale-ready algorithms that I have that have been completely under-optimized because I have no interest or capability in scaling well, who not how's a good example. You had that three years before it ever Absolutely. came Absolutely. That, that's the thing. He had a diagram of it and everything, but it was sitting there in a notebook. He said it to me, and I said, bingo, 
that was in the workshop four days later. Yeah. You know, not only did I have a diagram for it, but I had a voiceover announcer called Dean Jackson in the in the workshop. I went through the diagram and he walked it through. I had a vehicle called a workshop, yeah. you know, and then I got a, another vehicle called a quarterly book and I've got another vehicle called somebody else's podcast. So the moment that I saw it, I said, this is a big one. I could tell this is a really big one. Yeah. So the big thing is to make your inventory of assets known to other people because they'll immediately see uses for things and they can't do your type of asset, but they have an asset to take your asset further. I think that's really a good point. Yeah, a capability and reach. That's a big thing. Yeah, there's so many, Steve, to answer your question, things that I have. Like, so I look at, I've been doing a lot of work with financial advisors. Like, so I've got a scale-ready algorithm for helping financial advisors get new clients that is... Now we just kind of implement it for people, but that's not what my capability yeah. is. It's not my passion to take that, but somebody could take that one thing, that one scale-ready algorithm and build an amazing thing out of it. So that's under your C, it's right? That's under your C. Yeah. It's a vision for somebody to apply to a capability that they have, yeah. right? And or combined with reach. Well, Dean has capabilities. He's got Breakthrough Blueprint Workshop. He's got yeah, yeah. podcasts. You know, longest running one is I Love Marketing, which is, yeah. that's a capability, but it also has reach. reach. We've got tremendous reach. For yeah, I mean, this year I'm being interviewed probably by 25 different podcasters mm -hmm. just on the book, Who Not How. So I tell Gord, I says, free up time that I can be a guest speaker on other people's podcasts. So far, we've had 40 registrations for the program that came just directly from the Who Not How. The person who came back after 11 years, he came back because of the Who Not How book. And we have a lifetime value, how much the lifetime value, everybody who signs up, there's a lifetime value of three times one year's registration on average. If somebody signs up, we know basically what they're worth. So I was talking to Ben and Tucker and they said, you know, this deal you know, where we get all the money. And I said, well, you don't get all the money. I said, there's other money that's going to come in. And they said, what's your money? And I said, well, this is my money. And they said, wow, that's a lot of money. And I said, yeah, but you get your money first, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So the whole point is you're not getting money by doing anything other than what you do. You know, you just do this anyway. So you just get the money. So my goal is to create a new economic system that's based on exponential collaboration, where there's no exchange of property, there's no exchange of capital, but there is a lock-on on a exponential value creation that has unbelievable payoff. And it's only available to people who've already taken care of themselves. You know, they don't need the money. Mm -hmm. They want this, you know, it's yeah. between the needing world and the wanting world. Investigate, like from the vision column, you could, I'm just observing what's happening with NFTs. Yeah, NFTs of, is a huge breakthrough. I mean, I've been all over this. I've been on three different podcasts in the last two weeks, 
you know, I believe in Moore's law because NFTs are possible because of Moore's law. And I said, I also believe in Newton's third law for every action, there's an opposite and equal reaction. And if people are faking stuff and people are stealing stuff on the internet, at a certain point, you got to have a corrective. And I think NFTs are the corrective. Yeah. Yeah. For another podcast, talking about that connecting to shortcuts. Yeah. I think there's something in your intellectual capital toolbox that could apply here to what you're doing, but that's opening up a can of worms. Well, it's all about shortcuts. Yeah. That's what solutions are, right? Mm-hmm. Human progress is about shortcuts. This used to take a long time. Now it takes a short time. It used yeah. to take a lot of effort. Doesn't take an effort. That's progress, you know. So anyway, a wrap up statement for today. I was gonna say, try to pick a theme out of this one, Dan. Uh, <laughs> no, no, everything's just made up, Steve. <laughs> all made up, and the points don't matter. Yeah, yeah Dean, you share your biggest insight, then I'll share mine. Yeah, I think my biggest insight here is that uncertainties are generally seen as a negative thing, but what if uncertainties are actually the richest, most positive thing that you can really delve into, that all your innovation, all your breakthroughs are really going to become exploring and being comfortable with uncertainties. But the first thing you have to do is know where the border is between that which is certain I would say that 99% of the economy runs off what people are certain about, but all the growth of the economy comes from what people are uncertain about. Yes. Wow. For me, the idea that envisioning, creating vision for something is I often don't let uncertainties get in the way of what the vision is or thinking about what it could be, but then I use those as little benchmarks along the way. If we're going to do this, I got to figure out this, this, this. And this vote is really the things. It's such a great time to be alive and be a creative thinker, you know. And have time and freedom for discussion. That's true. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually looking forward to, I think of the book Atomic Habits about, you know, this notion of little micro habits that build up to you know, influence our behavior on a daily basis. And I think about making a habit out of focusing on the uncertainty part of the communication. I don't think I do. I think I am very quick to convey so much confidence and excitement about something that I don't think I'm doing and have done a great job of owning the uncertainty part of it as well. Mm. And I would imagine it to be pretty refreshing for someone, especially on my team or people that I'm interacting with at the more raw version of these projects basis, that it's impact filter level, hear some of the uncertainty be owned by me in terms of like labeling it and calling it out versus either making them feel that I haven't thought about it or pretending it doesn't exist. I think it's going to put a lot of people at ease and almost like you said, Dean, at the beginning of this part of the conversation empower them to lean in and kind of help with that uncertainty. So I'm looking forward to building a new habit around owning more uncertainty in my pitches and my dialogue and a lot of those things, because I don't think I've done both the thinking, but also the communicating of it. So I'm excited about that. That was a big one. And I also enjoyed the conversation, Dan, of just talking about the internal process you're using for your Zoom sessions and how to make sure that your framing of concepts guides the conversation so that we can index our learning over six hours. So 
Very good. Mm-hmm. Enjoy this. Dean, great to be in conversation with you today. I got to tell you, I've long admired your format with Dan that had more of just a bunch of good conversations. I at, felt right at home. This is great. We didn't know where we were going to lead, but I really yeah. enjoyed it. Perfect. Yeah, well, I always say you may walk into a conversation with Dean thinking that's going to be a straight road, but he'll get you lost in about 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's make sure we do it again soon. This is great. Yeah. Yeah, this was great. I'll see you both tomorrow. Thanks. So this wraps up our two-part podcast session where Steve Krein and I had a very, very wide-ranging and very, very deep discussion with Dean Jackson. Now, for any more information on Strategic Coach, just go to strategiccoach.com.